Anyway, let's, let's go into a little bit about the topics that you want to discuss. So one is sure. podcasting. I don't know anything about podcasting. <laughs> this big mic in front of me. Maybe a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. You've been on a lot of them. So I only had a YouTube channel. I've been on a lot of podcasts, and I only did YouTubing for forever. And then actually Greg is like, I'm like, I asked Greg, like, what do you use for like podcasting? He's like, you got to use Anchor. So then I started to easily take my video and convert it to audio only. Mm-hmm. And that solution is great. So, but in terms of podcasting yeah. and business and so forth, what are your thoughts on that topic? Yeah. So, um, I mean, my first experience with podcasting is really coming, coming to Cypress North two years ago. So the podcast here, Marketing Clock, that, as you know, weekly news show, I think, you know, for a long time, they, as Greg says, they didn't see any of the numbers or anything. And, and I'm kind of in that same boat. I have a newer podcast agency scoop and it's, it's very low numbers and we're trying to figure out ways to expand it and get people to listen to it. But I guess the payoff for a podcast really is this creative outlet where you have somewhere to talk about things that maybe don't necessarily go somewhere in your job, you know? So I talk about things that interest me from an agency standpoint on my podcast. And I hope that it's helpful to people and that people think of us as um, a good source of information for that. I used to go to these conferences, um, a company called Mirin, and they were, they're like a new business company for agencies and they help smaller agencies figure stuff out. And I always liked their content because it wasn't just like, oh, if you have an agency of a thousand people, here's what you should do. It was like, if you have an agency of five people, here's a way you could do this or a way you could scale this way. Um, And it was really helpful. So I kind of hope that my podcast can be helpful to people in that way. But one of the ways that it's helped me in new business is really sending it out as content as well. So even if somebody, you know, I don't know who's listening to it or who's subscribed to it, but if I'm talking to a prospect and they mention something, I can send them an episode and say, oh, hey, we actually talked about it in this episode. Here's, you know, here's something you can listen to if you don't feel like reading all of this, all of the stuff I'm writing for you in a proposal. You know, you know, you made it when the client emails you that link not knowing it's you. So like, I'll have clients oh. like emailing me, oh, there's an article about this topic here. Take a look at it and read it. I'm like, I wrote that article. It happens more often than you would think, which is pretty funny. Yeah, so, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's all about right now, it's all about content. So whether it's a podcast or a blog article, white paper, you know, whatever it is that's helpful to people, if you can help people out and they can take your content and repeat it or they can share it with somebody else, I mean, it all leads back to good vibes for the agency, I think. so. Right. It's just hard to know the exact... Because in a digital marketing agency like this, it's all about, did this click lead to that conversion? Mm-hmm. It's super hard to do that with podcasts. Yeah. So... We have started... Every time I have an, um, somebody that comes my way from a new business standpoint, I'll ask them, like, how did you hear about us? Did you search for a marketing agency? Like, how did you find us? And if it's not a referral from a current client, a lot of times it is people that they'll say, oh, I heard about you from so-and-so who we know from that is a listener of the podcast because they tweet at Greg or they tweet at Marketing O'Clock. Um, or they'll say, I'm a listener of the show and I had this problem and I knew you could solve it. So we know that it's working over time. There was a lot of time that it wasn't necessarily driving leads. But yeah, it's hard to it's hard to monetize. I feel you guys would still do it even if it didn't if it didn't drive leads. Yeah, because I mean, mean, again, I I see there's a very close similarity between the atmosphere here and the atmosphere in my in my company. 
mm-hmm. and I get absolutely, I, I do the stuff that I do, and it drives absolutely no, for, oh, rarely, will barely never get a client from that because people are reading about search stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't do search marketing uh, for <laughs> money. I just talk the talk. I don't walk the walk. Um, <laughs> just, anyway, a, just a hobbyist. It's just a, it's just a hobby, really. Um, cool. So, but it seems like podcasting is paying off and it seems like people should probably do more of it. You see the numbers in terms of people, oh, my podcast gets this billions of view of downloads and this and that. I think the podcasting analytics is kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think, you know, it depends on your personality. If you like to write more versus speak more versus do video versus doing TikTok, which I think we're going to be doing a little bit later in, in this office, I think. Oh, you're going to make a TikTok? I don't do TikTok, but I'm told I'm going to make a TikTok. Oh, I'm excited. Uh, I need a TikTok account. <laughs> um, any event, so yeah, I think everybody has the beauty of this like social media stuff and the internet is that people could find what they're good at and mm-hmm. kind of use the internet to kind of like leverage that and make things better for themselves and for the people who listen. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty cool. In my last position, I used to travel a lot and I used to speak at a lot of events and trade shows and things like that. And I loved that part of my job. And when I came here, um, five weeks later, we were hit with the pandemic, so we were all at home anyways. Um, but I didn't get to use that muscle as much. I wasn't presenting as much. Even when we're doing new business pitches, it's more conversational. Right. And um, so I wasn't doing that presentation that I used to. And so Greg actually suggested, why don't you start a podcast? It's a way to use that muscle and um, have that outlet. And I really enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. So it's cool. you know kind of a fun pet project too. Yeah. Yeah. It's always... The reason I started my podcast is going to be weird. Uh, at least the I, I did the weekly news recap, which is not really. A, I guess it's a podcast. And I've been doing that forever, um, but the the vlogging where I travel and like meet with people, mm-hmm. which is this, but I'm not using the camera for it, is because I bought this little camera because I thought it was cool. And I'm like, I just spend money on stuff constantly, technology stuff, and I never use it. I have like all these gadgets, and I just throw it in the corner, like drones and stuff. And I felt bad, so I'm like, I got to do something with it. So maybe I'll be like, oh, okay, I'll interview people with this camera and kind of mm-hmm. highlight their careers and their success stories and so forth. Um, although I'm not using that camera here because you guys have a great setup, which I'm uh, borrowing. Uh, but that's the reason I started it, really, is one is I bought this camera, which I felt like I needed to do something with, and two is I felt it was a great way to highlight people. The next topic you wanted to discuss was around doing biz dev at a traditional agency versus at a like a digital agency. I'm very mm-hmm. curious how that it's very different um most of what i used to sell was more creative based and subjective and so it was very much relationship based where i was always trying to forge relationships and keep in touch with people and like nurture those relationships because when they came out with an rfp i wanted to be on it so i did a lot more rfp pitching oh Um, did you like rfp i hate rfp pitching hate it yeah, no, it's terrible. I won't respond to RFPs. It's really terrible, and okay. I'm and I'm very against it. Um, okay. <laughs> but I mean, the idea was to forge a relationship good enough that you didn't have to be in an RFP, right? That right. Um, so, but then some of the bigger companies they always insisted they had to do one. You know, all of those things. Where I think you know here we don't really respond to a lot of RFPs. Once in a while, for a website project, there might be an RFP, um, but they usually come about from relationships. But the relationships that um, are here from a new business standpoint are all performance based. So there are people that have used our services before, knew that we could deliver, and they're much more in tune with, you know, what's the ROI? What can I get 
um, performance wise, how many leads can I get? How many demos can I get booked? You know, all of those things. And they know that we delivered where, um, with a more creative RFP or like traditional media, it's like, oh, they did a good job and it was easy for me to be on the radio. Right. <laughs> you know, those kinds of things. So right. it's, it's funny because I remember the old days of, not the old days, but basically traditional marketing. My brother-in-law did advertising. I'm not sure if I say the company he was in, but basically a, a, a fairly well-known company. And it was all about TV spots and newspaper spots and radio commercials. And I'm like sitting there as like a, a geek on a computer. I'm like, you can't track any of it. They give you like all these like, oh, this is the circulation. I'm like, how do you know somebody's opening up that page and looking at your ad or listening to commercial? Mm -hmm. You don't know any of this. And he's like, I'm like, you should really get into like this something called Google AdWords. It's like, no, nah, nobody's going to, whatever. Nobody cares about that type of stuff. <laughs> um, you should really like invest in your website. Like, no, nah, whatever. We just want, you know, it's more a branding thing. The internet's so, a fad. But they kind of put these fake metrics around circulation and all this other stuff to kind of feel good about spending so much money on these ads. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it worked. They were a big company, but it was hard to like nail down like that person watching that TV commercial came to the store and converted. Still hard to do that now, but with clicks, you could do that. Yeah. Kind of. Well, Google's going to get rid of that. but For sure. <laughs> and it's, um, well, it's funny. I had a client once in Fort Worth, Texas, and they had all of these billboards. It was a big energy company. And I would travel down there once a month and, you know, do all the things that I needed to do and get them on track with all of their projects. And the marketing manager that I worked with, we were talking about billboards and I was like, well, we're recommending you cut some of the billboard spend, use more of it in radio or TV, you know, whatever the recommendation was. And he goes, well, we can't take down that billboard on, on the highway right here because that's our most successful billboard. And I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, well, that's the most popular one. Everyone knows about that billboard. And I go, because it's outside of your office? Of course all your people know about it. What do you mean? And he was like dead serious. He goes, that is our most successful billboard. And I just couldn't believe it. I mean, and this was years ago, but I was like, okay, Frank, thanks. And there's no QR, <laughs> there's no QR code there or any type of beacon or anything like no, that. No, I was like, what do you mean it's the most successful? It was so funny to me because I'm like, it's the exact same as all the other ones. You don't know any, you don't know if this right. is uh, working or not. It's a shame. It seems like the beacon, you know, remember like those beacons you put in places to see if people have your app and they come into the store and they what previous searches. That went away quick because of all the privacy regulations. It seems like we're kind of like, the digital marketing of the early days, we were able to track everything. Like I remember AOL came out with this, got a lot of bad press because somebody was able, they leaked their search data. It didn't give the person's information, but it was basically show all the query mm -hmm. by IP address. So you could say, follow those IP addresses and sessions down to the queries. So what happened was, you basically there was a big report in the New York Times or one of these publications around how an old lady, I forgot the name, basically was searching for something really, really personal and she searched herself, and you could, so you be able to backwards engineer all the log files. Say this person searched this, this, and this, and has this issue. Um, and then ever since then, it was like, oh, the internet's a real issue. This was like 15 years ago, but the level of tracking you could do back then was insane. And I feel like we're going to a place where we cannot do as much tracking in the future. And next year is going to be worse, and the year after that, and the year after that, mm -hmm. and eventually it's going to go back to the billboards where I believe this Google ad. Did really well for me, but I'm not sure because Google won't share that information with me because of privacy issues. Yeah. I hope it doesn't go there, but. I know. Personally, I like when I like go into a store and my app opens up and tells me about the deals. Like this happens to me pretty much every time I shop at Target. Yeah. But if I go into Target, which isn't often, I usually do the drive up pickup. Yeah. But if I go into Target, 
And then I get a bunch of things and then I get to the register and they're like, oh, do you have your app to scan for your rewards number? And I'm like, oh, I forgot to look at what was the sales and things that you get through the app, but you get the coupons on the app. So, but you have to know when you're through the store, what it is uh, that you, you know, so you know what you're getting a sale it's on. It's all about tracking that from every point as much as they can. Mm-hmm. First party, uh, first party data, which is key, I guess, in the future. What, what other like differences that you wanted to highlight around traditional agency biz dev versus... Um, I guess just that some of the things on a traditional agency standpoint, I feel like there's a lot more emphasis on industry knowledge and expertise. Okay. So especially where I came from, they got their start, like I said, in direct mail and financial services. So all of their first clients were big banks and we still probably 50% of the business when I left was still banking. Okay. Um, and banks want to know that you understand banks, right? They need to know that you know what the regulations are and um, where disclaimers need to be and all of those kinds of things. But I felt like even in seeing RFPs across many different industries, you get an RFP from a college and they'd be looking for somebody to do their you know, alumni videos. And they'd say, we want you to have experience with at least three other institutions of higher education, but you can't be working with any of them within 50 miles of our institution, but you should be familiar with our market and blah, blah, blah. Like they were much more um, focused on whether or not you knew the ins and outs of higher ed or, you know, grocery retail, those kinds of things where in digital, it's like you need to know you need to know digital and you need to be optimizing it and trying things and experimenting and doing all of these things. And the, the industry doesn't matter as much. It's more about the goals. Yeah. That's so, definitely makes sense. Even to the case where difference. it's like, you're not working with my competitor. Are you that type of thing? Mm-hmm. Also is kind of more important for a small boutique ish type of agency. Right. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to be working with direct competitors here either, but it's, um, yeah, it's, it's less of a question of, do you understand my industry? I've found. Yeah, for sure. Cool. All right. I appreciate you, you know, joining me for this. Um, is there any way that you want to communicate to the people listening on how they could follow you and learn more about you? Great. So I am on LinkedIn as Jill Fetcher, but also as the Agency Scoop. And you can find my podcast, The Agency Scoop, on the Cypress North YouTube channel or anywhere that you listen to your podcasts. Cool. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.